that, yeah. that chapter like alone veterinarians should read if they don't read anything else in your book, because I was reading it going, I wish I had this because so often when I'm in clinical practice, there's going to be members of the family that don't agree with the time, the decision to euthanize or whatever the decision might be. Sorry for saying Sorry Media presents the Purr Podcast, the best podcast for feline medicine and surgery with tips, tricks, and updates for the entire veterinary healthcare team. If you're dying to know more about cats, keep on listening. Here are your hosts, Dr. Susan Little, famous cat vet and textbook author, and Dr. Yola Kirpenstein, talented surgeon and social media geek. Hello, this is Dr. Yola Kirpenstein, and this is the Purr Podcast, and I'm here with Kelly. Hello, Kelly. Hello, Yola. How are you today? I am doing wonderful. And I am so excited because we have this amazing guest. It's a uh, reappearance of this guest because this guest has been on the podcast before, but it was a long time ago. You know, we're now at number 160 something. And I don't know, must be in the teens that she was on. Can you remember? I'm thinking it was a half a decade ago. I was there. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. So it's Dr. Mary Gardner. Yay! Yay! Thanks <laughs> for having me again. Right, right, right. And if you would look at the video right now, you could see us, you know, go all wild. But uh, we're on audio, so you can't see that. But we are going all wild. We are. We are. So we have Very the amazing good. Dr. Mary Gardner here, um, and. Uh, there is one major reason why she's here, next to the fact that she's amazing, of course, in all aspects. But the thing that we're going to talk about is her new book. And her new book is called Nine Lives Are Not Enough. And guess what? It's about cats. Yay! <laughs> Yay! More cheering. Wow. <laughs> Coincidentally, it's about cats. And yeah. we love it. And we love cats. And we're so excited that Dr. Mary is here. And if you, and the reason that we want to do it right now, just before Christmas is if you haven't bought your Christmas present yet, this is the Christmas present. It's the best Christmas present that you can buy for you, for your mother, for your family, for anybody that you know, just buy this book. It is just awesome. Thank you. It's too big big to be a stocking stuffer though. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? You can buy a real big stocking. There you go. Exactly. That's a good idea. There you go. Excellent. Excellent. So, uh, before I forget, I need to put my timer. There we go. Uh, <laughs> Dr. Mary, uh, tell us what happened between when you were last at the podcast and oh. now. Well, oh gosh, yes. Yeah, so, the half a decade ago, uh, <laughs> I I still have been exclusively working with um, with pet owners on end of life, so hospice and euthanasia. And what what was always very interesting to me is is the fact that so many families have not been to their doctor for a very long time before they see us for end of life care. <clears throat> and with cats, you know, we 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 know that they don't you know, quote, go as often as the dogs do anyway. But at, but at the end of life, it's, it's almost 60% of cats have not been to their regular veterinarian a year before they pass. And that, that was really sad, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, I know I was, I was shocked when I saw this data. And, we, and I looked at um, about 800,000 uh, pets that were euthanized in the United States. And that was the statistics. So when I go to homes, I, you know, see the family struggling. I see the pets aren't, you know, 
they're, they're well, they're well loved, but they could have had a little bit different care to make it even better for them. But yet they, right. but the families weren't getting the help. They're not going to their, see their veterinarian, but, and even if they do go see their veterinarian, we focus a lot um, and understandably on the medicine. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's, we're running blood work. We're looking at x-rays. We're doing an ultrasound. We're looking at what medicines to give, addressing the dosing, you know, doing curves, all that great medicine stuff. But what we don't usually focus on is the home and the environment and how the family is practically caring for this cat that may be incontinent or this cat that can't get up to the sunny spot anymore and assessing quality of life and, and you know, making the tough decisions and things like that. We, we don't have as much time to spend with them or, and also I didn't know half this stuff until I started researching it, right. Or getting, right. or getting tips from my families. I'm like, whoa, I never thought to use that before. And <laughs> <laughs> and so they taught me so much. And uh, about three years ago, I, I thought, well, what else am I going to do during COVID? Let me write a book. <laughs> and <laughs> so I just, uh, it was always in the back of my mind. And it did give me the opportunity to, you know, sit, you know, stop traveling so much research and, and start to formulate the book and, and then end up writing it. So that's what I've been doing in the last five years. Oh, my. Oh, my. And I'm so <laughs> proud of you because... I had the same feeling when the pandemic hit. I said, this is a perfect time to finish my second book that I have to finish. And I'm not one page further. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> what did I do wrong here? You went to, I think you started painting more. Yeah. That's oh, that's what you it. did. And do, and, and do hieroglyphs and, and do Chinese. All sorts and of chippy. stuff. Chippy's very really, distracting, and chippy. right? And You're right, chippy. Kelly. Chippy. <laughs> chippy took up your time. Yeah, he's an honorary cat too. So that there must be it. Yes, <laughs> that's why his name starts with a C. Yeah, <laughs> that's and all it. Tiny. So. <laughs> I love it. But I, I think, yeah, that's that's wonderful. And 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 you did quite a lot of research. What I love about this book is that it is so well researched because everything you say there is a reference, and you must have spent so much time researching before you start writing this book. I did. I did. And I, I also, I also hired a a person to help me research. She's a veterinarian. So, uh, so that was, that was very helpful because I, you know, I, I've, I've also heard some rumors out there. So I'd be like, Hey, Dr. Teresa, I heard that cats are right or left pod. Can you find me that research for that? Right. And so she did. And it was awesome. Right. It was really because I wanted to make sure I had the backing because I know that our, you know, our, our peers are going to look at this and say, well, let's make sure we have the, the, the right information. And there's a lot of misinformation out there. And right. So I think there's about 50 pages of references. And uh, so in the back of the book, I, I just have a QR code, which goes to a website with all the references, because oh. if not, it would have been bigger of a book if I put them all. <laughs> it's literally 50 pages of references. And talk about QR codes, there's quite a lot of them in the book too. eh? So you can, you know, whatever you want to look up, I mean, you just take your phone and then there it is. Right. Isn't that what's great about COVID? There's so many different changes that have happened over the years. Like uh, now people are so used to QR codes. I know. And it took so long because I know that we started a QR code like 15 years ago and nobody wanted them and nobody understood them and that sort of things. And now suddenly it is everywhere. It's 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 everywhere. Right. And, in some of my lectures, I'd have my QR code up and I'd be like, oh, you know, click this for my, you know, my free ebook. And everyone was like, what? 
I don't know how to do it. I'm getting this <laughs> error message, right? And forget about the Android phones. They would never work. But now it's, it's like old hat. Easy peasy. Easy peasy, right, Kelly? Yep. Kelly. Yeah, I'm, I'm like super excited about this book. And, and as you all pointed out, it's so um, up to date. And I was reading it and thinking, you know, this isn't really just a book for um, people who are cat caregivers. It really is something veterinarians should have and read because yeah. it's so packed full of information about aging and living with cats in general, but especially during their aging years that, like you said, because as veterinarians and clinical practice, we're so focused on medicine because we don't have a lot of time. Right. But it's it's uh but it just has so much information in it that I think a lot of general practitioners would really get a lot of value out of too. Yeah, you and know. I think you know unless you've had also a, you know a geriatric cat, <laughs> yeah, you don't totally always appreciate what they go through, and that's also geriatric dog, geriatric bird, mm-hmm. you know, or or you know insert whatever, right? Like I know so much more about Cushing's now because I've had you know, two dogs with Cushing's, actually three mm-hmm. dogs with Cushing's, right? So it's it's, um, and I've had a cat with diabetes and things like that. So having had my own geriatric cats, I could, I think I could appreciate it more. And until you've, you've had one, you may not understand the agony that we go through as caregivers mm-hmm. and, and the stress that it can cause in the house. So I do think it's definitely for, for everybody. And my dad, when he read it, he said, so my dad read it cover to cover and he is in the book. So I think he wanted to make sure that he- <laughs> right. I did him proud. Uh, he's waiting for his royalty check, but uh, <laughs> but he said people should start reading this before they become geriatric or senior. And yes. I think so, because there are a lot of things I talk about with aging and things that we could do. For, you know, Nutrition is so important to start early. And, yes. you know, I think even with even with humans, right, we when do we start getting healthy when when stuff goes bad? Right. It's like all of a sudden now I need to eat healthy because now I'm diabetic. Right. Like we should have been doing that sooner. We should have been exercising sooner. And uh, and, you know, but when you're in your 20s, you think everything's going to be fine forever. So (laughs) but I, I do want cats to have better nutrition, better quality, better medicine, better care. And uh, I hope that this inspires some families to do that even sooner than later. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. We're talking about nine lives are not enough. A practical guide for caring of your g- geriatric cat. That's always a word that I stumble <laughs> upon or over, struggle with. But uh, and this is Dr. Mary, uh, Dr. Mary Gardner uh, on the podcast. And we're so excited that you're here. Um, the uh, you dedicated this book to all the cats that you had. Um, so tell us a little bit about your cats. I know. Thank you. I, you know, my, I, I, I feel like, like I said, I learned so much from them and without them, I probably wouldn't be so in love with all my little old kitty cats that, that I see, but, and I see so many wonderful family cats too, but so, uh, car cat, my, my first cat, everyone's like, what kind of name is that? And so I found this cat outside, you know, all my cats come from the outside. Somehow they found me. Right. And uh, so car cat was, I found him outside. And before I brought him in my house, I wanted to make sure he was all good. So this is in New Jersey. And I had my, my windows in my car down. And in the night, he would just sleep in my car. And he'd like to sleep in my car. So I called him a car cat. So he, uh, he actually had a spinal injury that, that so he was a, a, a disabled cat, uh, you know, not for very long. He passed soon after that. And it just jumping off of something bad. So that was like my, that was even before I became a, a veterinarian. And then I've had so many others, like Princess had diabetes and 
and and Herbie Herbie was my love bug. That's why he's Herbie the love bug. And he was he was oh. an orange cat though. So like all orange cats are love mm-hmm. bugs, right? So right. I I we got to find the love gene that comes into the into those guys. And he had a primary lung tumor, and 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 he's in my book too. And they're all in my book, but like. I think I waited too long for him to say goodbye. And, and, uh, you know, I, so I learned from him about waiting too long. And then, and Lilu, you know, I had to say goodbye to her when I was out on the road speaking at conferences, just an acute, acute kidney failure. And, uh, so, so that was really traumatic. And then, and then, uh, Bodie, oh my gosh, my man, Bodie, he was, I adopted him as a senior. I was, I got suckered into him. I was at some like Pet, you know, pet, getting pet food, and, and there was cats in need. So I was so yeah, uh oh. So like, well, let me go look over there. And there was all these cages full of kittens, and I could I could pass a kitten up all day long. Like I think they're cute, yeah. But I could pass them up. And then there was this scrappy cat, and I'm like, what's he doing? And he had a, you know, he was getting fluids every day. And I'm thinking, who's going to adopt this senior cat that's got kidney failure and getting fluids every single day? No yeah. one's going to adopt this cat, so I must. And <laughs> And he lived for years with me, and I loved him. And and and, and Goldie was my uh, and Goldie was my paralyzed cat, so I had a slider, and that taught me a lot about incontinence and all that good stuff. And Mingo's still with me, so <laughs> Steve. And I I wish I could even have more cats. I would probably adopt five more cats, but my dog is a little bit cat aggressive, so. <laughs> Oh, that's, that's, that's never a good thing. That's never a good thing. No, we tried to adopt a foster dog that had, she was a puppy and she had like super hunt drive and we actually had to return her to the rescue because she was actually trying to eat my cats. So that's my issue. And I'm the fourth home. So I, at all my lectures, I'm like, does anybody here have one a monogamous (laughs) relationship and not get cats? Because I've got the dog for you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, he's leaving the room. He didn't like our conversation. Yeah, yeah he's like, we I'm him. out of here. And by the way, ladies, the D word is really not allowed on this podcast. Oh. Okay, well, well. Once in a rare while, we let it slip, don't yes. we? Yeah, it, it, oh, it got in there. But that's okay. That's okay. So I, I love the fact that at least one of all these cats is still alive. because. One is still alive. You know, I'm not that depressed, Signola. Yeah, not not that we're worried about that, but no, it, but seriously, the thing is that uh, uh, vets seem to attract animals that have uh, diseases, so it's it's not True. uncommon for vets to have cats and yep. these that uh, that might have a little bit of an issue. Um, Chippy, for instance, has patella laxations. What a surprise! What a shocking <laughs> surprise! Yeah. But it, it, it's, I mean, I, I think you're right. You know, having a older animal really teaches you a lot. Um, and, and I think this book will really help people, but it will also help veterinarians talk with yeah. people. That's yeah. what I like about it. Yeah. You know, it, yeah. It, it's broken down in language that, that owners need to hear. Yeah. Totally. And I think, so the, the third section, because I have it in four sections, and the third section is a lot about caregiving, uh, caregiving stress and depression and, and burden. Like, that's a, that's a big deal for our caregivers and anticipatory grief. Um, and I don't, think, I don't think that's, we realize that so much. There's, there's a lot of caregiver burden to, to mm-hmm. caring for these guys. It, it could be hours extra of our day caring for our geriatric cats or terminally ill cats, right? And I also have goals of care. And it's a really good framework for, for helping veterinarians have difficult conversations. And they don't have to be difficult, meaning, you know, it's time to euthanize. Although I have a whole section on that with, yep. 
quality right. of life. That's that's my jam. I hate to say I, I love speaking about that, but you know, just you know, difficult conversation. What what treatment options are best for you and best for your cat, and and mm-hmm. not feel guilty if they can't do something, or feel yes. guilty that they want to try something. I think you know they feel guilty either way. Like, well, I want to do chemo, and someone's probably like, well, it's just a cat. Why would you do chemo on a cat, right? Like, right. or do surgery on a cat. So I think it, it provides veterinarians a really good framework to help with the conversations. And yeah. then, um, and then there's some, some chapters in there. I think that will be helpful. Like uh, when there's disputes in the house. So when one <clears throat> partner pet owner is different than the other, and that's always the case, right? Like, yes, nobody, that was nobody. very, va- that's so valuable. That, yeah. that chapter like alone, veterinarians should read if they don't read anything else in your book, because I was reading it going, I wish I had this because so often when I'm in clinical practice, there's going to be members of the family that don't agree with the time, the decision to euthanize totally. or whatever the decision might be. Right. And I really like how you outline how to take the steps to get everybody back on the same page. Thank you. Yeah. And that goes for, you know, even things like sur- like major surgeries and, yeah. you know, not necessarily end of life, but making big decisions that, that, you know, that may affect the pet's, pet's life. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I even have a chapter on, on children and talking to them. And uh, so it's great. I, when I lecture, I always have vets coming up afterwards and they're just like, what do you do? Like, I, I'm sure right. you guys know when you lecture, right? Like the questions that you always get at the mm-hmm. end of the lecture. And, right. and uh, so those are always the ones. So I was, I was like, you might, let me just write a whole chapter on it. This is the reason why we started this podcast. You know, when oh. Dr. Susan and I were in Rio, uh, we get the same questions over and over and over. And we found out that people couldn't find the answers that they needed, although there were books. I mean, there's lots of big books, but they still didn't find the, the answer that yeah. they wanted. And it's the same question over and over. So over and hence over. the podcast, hence the book. I, mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. So can you... Uh, can you give us some tips then on, uh, because uh, that next week we'll really dive into the chapters itself, but we talked about the chapter, uh, you know, uh, how you have to deal with the people in the house. What are some tips here? So, okay. So the big, the, the, when I'm helping a family that, you know, let's say it's, you know, two, two pet parents that one is wanting to keep going, one doesn't want to keep going or whatever it may be. The, the, the first question I always ask is, do you want your pet to suffer? Because the answer will always be no, right? No. So now we're starting out with no. But now the question is, what is suffering? So then I will, I will have them write down. I don't want them verbally talking because then they might, you know, sway the other one or, or just the other one might feel, you know, um, bullied or something like that, right? So write down what suffering means to you. Because Yola and Kelly, you two may have completely different ideas of what suffering is, mm-hmm. right? We, all of us as veterinarians, like I ask in my class, you know, I'm like, hey, what, anybody got a good definition for suffering? We know we don't want to get there, but we don't know how to define it. And yeah. so I want them to define it. And then, and, then I, and then I ask them to write down what are the things that, that we want to not lose with our cat, right? So what functions um, that, and, and then, we, then we talk about it. So like have them writing it down is really important. And then sharing it so that way we can, we can come up with the line in the sand. We have to come up with some with some agreement. And that's the big thing is, you know what? We both don't, you know, you both don't want him to suffer. And so let's talk about what that means. And, and would you agree if, if, that, if that is suffering to you or not? Because sometimes, I mean, some people literally may say an incontinent cat is suffering. Right. Because they, because they also, we, um, you know, a difficult word for me is anthropomorphizing. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yep. <laughs> but we do it all the time. We do it all the time, right? So they're like, well, if I'm peeing and pooping on myself, like that would be suffering or I couldn't right. handle that or whatever, right? Or if I can't, if I can't go to the bathroom by myself. So, so that to them is suffering. So they'll put that on their cat, no, right or wrong. I'm not here to say, but it's just good to have that conversation where someone else may, may be expressing the bladder, maybe cleaning up all day long and they're okay with that. Yeah. So where can then we find that, that, that balance? And it is so important not to be judgmental. Right. And, uh, and I think that's where we, we sometimes have a hard time. Like we all have a little judgy hat every now and then that we, that we that we put on, just but uh, so that's just a little point. <laughs> oh, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful answer, Sedna. You know, uh, surgeons are the definition of suffering. Oh, whoa. That's deep. <laughs> that was deep. To explain I that. know, I know, you know, we cause it a lot. But, you know, most of the time it's for, for the better, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Hopefully. But you know what? You, I think suffering requires consciousness. Right. So during surgery, though, they're under anesthesia, so they're not conscious. Now, when they wake up and it hurts, that's all, yes. <laughs> that's all I you want to say. So we always go back to good pain management. Good pain management. Huge. Exactly. Yes. Really, really important for, for, for many things. So, so uh, we're almost at the end of the, the first part. It always goes so fast, but I, uh, I, I just, I, you know, you wrote your previous book, which was about the D word. I remember yes. that. And when did you get this idea that we needed this for a cat too? Okay, just so you know, everybody listen, I am a cat freak. So it's not that I prefer the D word at all, right? It's ah. I, I'm, I'm a cat lover. So what I did was I actually made the book together. So I had both species because I thought there's no book out there with both species in mind. So right. I, I wrote the whole thing together yeah. and then two publishers that wanted to publish the book said, you should separate them. And there's a reason why they're separated. (laughs) So I, I said, all right, let me first, I'll rip out the D word first. So I published that one first. And then while that one was going on, I, I, I cleaned up for the cat book. So they were both together and I had to separate them. So do not think that I chose the D first. It was just, and you know, sadly, there is a lot more research on them for right. aging than there is in uh, for our yes. cats. So, yeah, so true. You know, it's it's sad but true. And uh, and I think our our cats live just as much you know similar lifestyles as us than than are the D words. If anything, more like it, right? Like right. we're all lazy little. <laughs> right, right, right. And I think that's in general. You know, there's so much more research in the D's than there is in cats. Uh, I know. One of the reasons that we talk about it all the time because yeah. we yeah. need. We need that research, and and this is a great addition uh, to uh, to the research. You have done a lot of work uh, for us. So uh, so once again, we're talking nine lives are not enough. A practical guide to caring for your geriatric cat. So if a person and and we talked about this a little bit, if a person does not have a geriatric cat, they still should read this book. Yeah, because they're they're all going to become geriatric, right? Like eventually, or, or at least senior. And then you know we can always talk about what's senior and geriatric. But mm-hmm. um, you know that there there's that difference. But um, you know the the people don't realize that the vast majority of our pet population is actually double digits. It's about right. over forty percent are double digits. So right. that's a massive percentage and that's to your point earlier kelly like i think veterinarians could read this and, and get so much help for their, yeah. their their cat families and 
and they're they're not coming in now at the end. So I think I think uh, this could also help them with marketing and and, and mm -hmm. stimulating them to, to to definitely come in. Yeah, right. and right. and it's going to get people with even young cats thinking earlier about the changes, which I always tried to do in my practice, was just saying, you know, he's this six or seven now. You need to start thinking about these things and just yeah. have them in the back of your mind. So I love that that has all that information about the changes to expect. It's like that what yeah. to expect when you're when your cats I get know, things kind of things. Right? Yeah, that. It really does. I mean, there's that one chapter where it really just nicely goes over all that stuff. And it's it's helpful to know it in advance rather than 100%. after it happens. Yeah, 100%. One more question, Dr. Kelly, and then uh, we have to wrap up. Oh, boy. oh, oh, I get to ask the question. Oh, well, I had kind of this is probably something someone's asked you after a conference. And when I was reading the chapter on the euthanasia and I wondered if you've had this experience where parents have asked you to lie to their children about what happened to the pet that's a heavy question for the last question sorry yola that's yeah, uh, yeah right kelly Bring out the <laughs> just to throw that, that out there yeah, we can also yeah. do a cliffhanger for next week you know? <laughs> right we're answering depending how long this answer will take i know Dr. Mary. i know I'll, I'll do a nice a purposeful pause in between so we can cut it if we needed to but um so you know what there's 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 lying and then there's like white lies also. So, mm -hmm. and I, I think there's, there is a huge difference, right? But between the two. So I'm not like, if somebody's cat is truly actively suffering, I'm not going to tell the kids like, well, you're suffering. So, you know, you guys left it like that. So I'm not going to be like that. But I, as a big hole, I'm, I usually am not a fan of lying because mm -hmm. then you got to keep up with your lie and you got to yep. figure this out and stuff like that. So I think it's really important to, in, to actually include the kids in what's happening. Mm -hmm. Include them in the care, include them in, in I don't want to say necessarily decision making because they don't have the financial and the you know medical capacity to understand some of the things we may be explaining, but the care and 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 talking to them. So I, I also have an activity book for kids yes. about cats, right? So so I will never like straight up lie. And uh, but will I do things to to ease the to, to ease the discussion? Sure, just like I'm sure a lot of us do. So if the cat, like, you know, had a really bad death because the owners weren't into euthanasia, I'm not going to tell the kids that. No, no. Peacefully passed. But I'm not going to, like, uh, well, I will say, okay, one one quick story, and then you cut, cut me off. There was one one uh, gentleman who, who asked me to come into his house, like, super early in the morning to euthanize his cat and leave because his wife had Alzheimer's, and the wife was going to get was was like I do not want anybody euthanizing my cat and this cat was a skeletal skin and bones like kidney failure absolutely needed to to be helped so that I did I snuck mm -hmm. I snuck into his house if you will yeah airport, and did that because I knew it was best for her not yeah. to have that trauma so if it's going to be you know traumatic to kids I'll adjust it a little yeah bit. good answer thank you wow. I often wonder having had those experiences so what a story so i know to lock my house now in the morning <laughs> when you see me around outside yeah, yeah. see you crawl around my house it's like whoa what's happening where's chippy <laughs> well you said he's a cat almost yeah he's true, an true, true. cat this has been wonderful dr mary thank you so much uh, this is the per podcast uh, we're talking nine lives are not enough with dr mary gardner uh, dr kelly thank you thank for being you. here and dr mary thank you this was a great thank episode you all. i love thank being you. with you so anytime
And it's it goes so fast. So the good news is we'll be back next week and yeah. have another episode. Um, so before that, uh, I would like to wish everybody happy holidays, whatever holiday you celebrate. Mm-hmm. Great season uh, to be happy and jolly. And uh, so I hope you will find some respite from all the busy times that you've had this year. Um, and uh, if you want more information about Per Podcast, uh, we have a website called perpodcast.net and we have a handle in social media at Per Podcast. There's lots of stuff going on. So uh, please uh, join us and uh, and celebrate the next couple of weeks. Yep. Thank Happy you. Happy holidays. Dr. Susan Little is a feline medicine specialist with two cat-only hospitals in Ottawa, Canada. She is best known as an international speaker and as the author and editor of two textbooks, The Cat, Clinical Medicine and Management, and August, Consultations in Feline Internal Medicine. Along with three cats, she also admits to owning two dogs. And you can follow her on social media with the handle at CatPetSusan. Dr. Yerla Kirpenstein is a diplomate of the American and European College of Veterinary Surgeons and a big cat fan. His specialties range from surgical oncology and reconstruction to minimally invasive surgery. He is the author of two textbooks on basic and reconstructive surgery. Did you know he was allergic to cats? Yola works currently at Hills Pet Nutrition. You can follow him on social media with the handle at G-V-E-T-S-X. This episode is made possible by the generous sponsorship of the Take the Pledge Against True Bites in Pets Facebook page. Did you know there are three easy steps to treat bladder stones in cats with lower urinary tract signs? Step one is to take a radiograph, and if there is a stone present in the bladder, step two is to use the Minnesota Urolith app for iPhone and Android to determine the most likely type of stone. Step three is to treat the cat for at least two to three weeks with an appropriate diet and see if the stone gets smaller. If so, keep feeding that diet until the stone is completely gone on follow-up radiographs. If not, check compliance with the owner and look for alternative treatment options. Join veterinarians worldwide to take the pledge not to remove struvite stones by surgery anymore. The opinions of this podcast are those by Dr. Susan Little and Dr. Yola Kirpenstein. Veterinary medicine is a complex profession, and often there are multiple diagnostic and therapeutic options for different disease processes. If you're a pet owner with questions, please go to your local veterinarian. If you're a veterinary professional, ask your questions on our Instagram page at perpodcast. Thank <sniffs> you.